The Bible Study Podcast, episode 364. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of Psalms with Psalm 24. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Today, we're continuing on with the study of Psalms with Psalm 24. And it goes like this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates, you be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates, lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. It's funny that in some of the Psalms, I don't really notice the poetic nature, the nature of this being a song, but this is one of those things as it has this chorus there at the end, who is the King of Glory that repeats, it really gets more of a sense of this being originally a song that was sung. It starts out here with something that is useful for us to remember, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And I say that that is important for us to remember because That is something that has, I think, two different practical applications for us. One is the stewardship of this earth. One is thinking of the environmental things around us and how are we taking care of that because it is not ours. And the other thing is what do we do with all that we have been given because they are also God's. Thinking of that second one, one of the things that struck me as funny and wonderful recently we were doing something very mundane in the house. We were filling up the dishwasher with dirty dishes. And my wife became so pleased that we had a dishwasher full of dirty dishes. And that struck me as particularly odd, and I wasn't following her logic. So I had to ask for clarification. Now, we have living in our house right now with us my wife's niece who came to take care of her mother, who has since died. But her niece still lives with us. And then we also have two international students, one who is just wrapping up with a two-year degree at college and going on to another college, one who is just here for the summer studying English, the first from Shanghai and the second one from Seoul in South Korea. And what my wife was saying is, now our kids are grown up and moved out of the house, and she just felt wonderful that we have this big house and it has people in it. We have this thing that God has enabled us to buy, this thing that God has given us, and we're using it. We're making use of what God has given us. And it was just this joy that she got from being able to provide hospitality. And I think that that is something that is tied into our understanding that all that we have, the car that you have, your guitar, your computer, your house... All that we have is God's, given to our use. Are we using it then in his service, including the dishwasher? 
He founded it on the seas. He established it on the waters. God has created and set up this earth. Now, certainly this is a broken and fallen world, but a world that at its base creation was created well and was created good by God, the way that things are intended to work. And But then the psalmist moves on and he looks up from earth and looks up at the mountain of the Lord and asks a very important question, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? We don't believe that God lives on a mountain, whether that be Mount Sinai, Mount Olympus, or Mount Washington. At least he doesn't live there any more than any other place. But the metaphor here is, who can dwell with the God who created all this? Who can be with God if God is so wonderful and powerful that he makes worlds like the one that we live on and where we keep our stuff? And the psalmist answers the question, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. Now, there are four different qualifications that I heard there. Clean hands doesn't just mean the one who washes before dinner, but I think clean hands in the sense of what are your deeds? What have you been doing? I think of Macbeth's wife in the Scottish play, who after she has committed murder, and you get the impression that she would be someone who is remorseless, is in fact filled with remorse, and walks around trying to wash her hands, saying, well, these hands never be clean. So one who has clean hands and a pure heart. And a pure heart, I think, speaks to our motivations, not just what we do, but why we do what we do. Because you can volunteer at the soup kitchen, but if you're volunteering there to pick up women, that may not be quite the same motivation as if you're volunteering there to help out. And God knows both our actions as well as our heart and desires that both of those be aligned to his will. Sometimes it's easier to align the heart first, and sometimes it's easier to align the actions first. And I don't know where you are. Sometimes we do the right thing, and then later on we feel the right way about it. And sometimes we are motivated to action because of a change of heart, as God is renewing us and creating in us a clean heart, as God is transforming us through the renewing of our mind, as the New Testament says. But in any case, God cares about both of those things. And then also says, for those who do not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. Now, in the Western world, you may not have a lot of people who deal with idols. That's certainly more common in some places in the world. But this also says, basically, those who aren't putting their trust, putting their faith in something that is false. I think science is wonderful, but it is not God. I think money is very useful, but it is not God. I think politics can be an honorable profession, although it may be hard to picture, but power is not God. Anything that we trust in that is not God can get in our way. It can get in the way of our relationship with the one true God who makes things like the whole earth. And then the psalmist says of such people, they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. One of the things I like about this psalm versus some is that it seems very optimistic because he looks out and sees a generation of those who seek God. And this is a psalm of David. We don't know when he wrote it during his life, but he wrote it during a time when he believed that he could see more than just him as being a generation of those who were seeking God and desiring earnestly to do what he wanted. And then this last four-verse section here gets more poetic. Lift up your head, you gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Now, where are these gates? Where are these ancient doors that David is thinking about? 
I don't know would be the honest answer to that, but I have to wonder if they are Mount Zion, if they are Jerusalem, which David both captures and makes the capital. If he's saying, get ready for the presence of God to come, these gates, these ancient doors can also be our doors, the doors of our houses, the doors of our businesses, the doors certainly of our churches. Get ready, he's saying, for God to join you where you are that the king of glory may come in, the king of glory. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. David looks and sees a God who is powerful, a God who is strong enough, a God who can create worlds, a God who can win battles, a God who, as you look at him, is just covered with glory, the shining presence of God. And he says, make way, open up, and let that God in. Let that God into our lives, our homes, our churches, our businesses. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the King of glory. I pray this week that you would let the King of Glory into your life, into your home, into your work, and into your church. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Hello, I'm Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we are the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. What we believe is that addiction is not a surprise to God. That's right. We discuss addiction from a biblical worldview and how true freedom comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolute freedom from addiction. The secular worldview of once an addict, always an addict is just not true. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, subscribe to Life After Addiction at lifeaudio.com.